than anything is just a horse that won't quit. There's no way he finishes. I owe him the chance. I'm Tim Finley, and this is To Live With Honor. Chapter 2. I Bought You a Horse? The Wildest Colts Make the Best Horses. Plutarch. I paced up and down the fence along the road and squeezed my thoughts around the filtered end of a Marlboro light. When I was a kid, I brought home a different animal every day of the week, some more benign than others. I brought home puppies, turtles, bugs, frogs, snakes, lizards, mice, rabbits, birds, and even an orphan raccoon once. My dad suffered the first of many aneurysms when I brought a baby copperhead into the house. I think I was three. But at this moment, I was reminded of the time I brought a chow puppy home. I was nine. One of the kids in the neighborhood owned a chow that had just popped out a litter of six. One puppy convinced me that she, she was the keeper. The one to loosen my dad's death grip on the word no. She was a basketball-sized puffball, a chestnut-colored licking machine. I hid her from my dad all day, strategizing her movement throughout the house based on where he was at. The moment of reckoning would inevitably occur. I was just postponing it as long as I could. At bedtime, still out of ideas, I skulked into the garage, puffball in my arms, and I set her in a large box and then hoisted it on top of another pile of boxes. I was renowned as a kid genius. As it turns out, puppies don't always care to be willing co-conspirators. Separation anxiety is a really nice way of saying canines go batshit crazy when you leave them alone. Not more than one hour after falling asleep with a smile on my face, the bedroom door flew open. The silhouette in the doorway reached for the light switch. In that instant, I prayed for a power failure and for the light to never come on. But the lights always come on. And they did. My dad stood holding the same chestnut ball of fluff, and she yawned. For a moment, I seethed with betrayal. What is this? My dad asked. Uh, Nick's dog had puppies. I thought we could take one since we don't have one. <laughs> we don't need a dog right now. Plus, you've proven you aren't trustworthy enough to take care of a puppy. They're a lot of work, and you apparently aren't ready for that kind of responsibility. She was in the garage crying her brains out. You can't do that to a puppy. What was your plan? Leave her out there without food and water? You're taking her back tomorrow. Ah, <sighs> like it was yesterday. I can take care of her. She yawned again. Her feet dangled off my dad's forearm. No, this is not a negotiation. This is not a negotiation. My dad never negotiated. Something about the way he held her, like a puppy and not a bundle of shop tools, made me believe he actually liked her, though. He unconsciously pet her as he chastised me. I wager if I'd brought her home and said, Dad, I got you a puppy! This story might have had a happier ending. Alas, it didn't. 
I took her back the next day and I didn't repeat the mistake. For a while. The story replayed over and over in my mind, and I hadn't broken the news to Missy yet. She would return home soon and quite possibly the same time as the horse. I pictured Missy walking in the door and turning on the lights with a lead rope in hand, scolding me for being irresponsible and knowing precisely shit about horses. And what makes this even better is this wasn't a puppy, and the auction house wasn't going to take him back. It made me think, you know, he may have been better off with the buyer. At least the buyer made no pretense about his intentions, right? Me? I hid my ignorance behind some big-hearted righteous cause. But who was I kidding? My dad was right. I had no idea. Missy had an idea, though. And she'd likely sound just like him. I brainstormed how I could grease the skids. Every option seemed less and less plausible than the previous, and I looked more and more like a foolish nine-year-old. The phone buzzed with a message from Missy. I had about an hour to pull something seriously stellar out of my ass. So I started a buttery conversation, mentioning all the adorable animals I had seen, and Missy was ecstatic. I snuck the puppy into my bedroom. I talked to her about all the baby goats and the purple-clad pony. She got giggly. I tiptoed the puppy into the bathroom. I talked about all the neat tack and artsy items people brought to sell. I slithered into the garage and placed the puppy in the box. Then this. She texted, Did you see any horses worthwhile? Shit. I texted back, I did see a horse worthwhile, dot dot dot. The door flung open and the shadow reached for the light switch. Again, I prayed for a power failure. My phone buzzed with an unfamiliar local phone number. The white hat kid called to let me know he was five minutes out. He might as well have cackled in my ear for five minutes. I still hadn't answered Missy. I stalled. The truck arrived and I directed him to the front paddock gate just off the road. I was astonished to see this, quote, kid had a full-up semi-truck with an equally sized partition stock trailer. He dropped down from the cab and walked back to meet me at the gate. You got a halter and a lead rope? Yeah, uh... Of course, this is a horse property, and those are things we have. I will be right back with a halter and a lead rope. He laughed when I returned with a mini horse bridle and a dog leash. Instead, we rigged the paddock gate with the back door of the trailer so that as soon as the door opened, the colt would have a direct run into the paddock. The driver unlatched the full-width door and it creaked open, casting hard shadows under the orange street lamp. The door opened to reveal a black emptiness that wafted the scent of sweaty horse. There Honor stood, legs braced wide in fear. His snout lowered and snorted. The stall was as wide as the trailer and ten feet deep, but Honor squeezed into the corner like the rest of the floor was lava. In that moment, I felt his fear, and I understood it. My phone buzzed. I still hadn't responded to Missy. Instead, I locked myself in a Mexican standoff with a colt who refused to leave the security of his shadows. I remembered the giant wolf from the movie The Neverending Story, lunging from the blackness to pounce on a Atreyu. Good imagery. <laughs> I'm not going in there. I stood where the paddock gate met the trailer. I peered around the interior wall of the trailer at the colt. 
He braced in the corner, terrified and shaking. I thought, you know, the best thing might be to just step in, pick a fight, let him kill me, and at least be remembered for attempting something sweet. We always remember the dead at their best. I gulped and slid the gate inward, just enough to step up. burst inside the trailer, jolting the metal box. My eyes lost focus in the black chaos. I couldn't see anything beyond swooshing shapes or hear anything except the explosions of heavy hooves panicking on aluminum flooring. Hooved clubs swung inches from my face and body. Gusts of air swept through the hair on my arms. The shapeless shadow beast lurched through my field of vision like shitty Bigfoot footage. The street lamp flashed a brief orange light atop what appeared to be a horse as the trailer shook one last violent time. Honor launched from the trailer as a mortar fired blindly into the night. I staggered off the trailer and fell to the ground on my back. <clears throat> oh, fuck. I stared in awe as the colt disappeared into the freedom of darkness. My phone buzzed again. Guess we didn't need the dog leash after all. I didn't say anything. I didn't care. The spectacle blasting around the paddock had me spellbound. He was free. But he was scared by it. He celebrated with art-assisted bucks and full-throttle sprinting, crisscrossing the field. At the same time, he seemed horrified by his freedom. Insecure by the uncertainty of it. I wished away the fences. I wished him to be calm, but I knew he wouldn't. I knew why he ran. I knew. I thanked the kid again, and we closed our respective gates. He drove away, and I reached into my pocket for my phone. By then, I'd come to terms with my fate. Missy's reply to my silence was, but, question mark? I sighed. Might as well make the most of it. I texted, no buts, you get to break him. And then I sent the photo of honor from the auction. Next text comes back, you bought him? Question mark. The light was on now, and there was no turning it off. She thought I was kidding. <laughs> this is going to be worse than I expected. But then, next text, thoroughbred or quarter horse? Question mark. I responded, thoroughbred. Period. Next text. Baby! Exclamation mark. She even tossed in a super smiley emoji. It was the moment in Fight Club where you find out Tyler Durden isn't real. This wasn't a typo, right? She was aware I bought a slaughter auction horse, and that I was in fact the football bat of the horse world, and she wasn't coming at me with an ice pick? Wait, wait. I get to keep the puppy? My elation, though, lived short. Missy called me. See, I hadn't told her the horse was at the house. She babbled in horse language everything I would need to do to prep the house and barn and paddock and other horses in the back for his arrival. 
But I stopped her mid-rant. Uh, he's in the front paddock. He's what? Yeah, he just sort of jumped out of the trailer. I think he's got real potential. You have to walk him around the fence line. It's dark. He could kill himself on the fence. Well, I mean, do I really need to walk him around the fence? Because I think he's got a pretty good idea where it is. He's been running it for the last 15 minutes. Oh, God, Tim. What did you bring home? Get a halter on him right now and, and hold him until I get there. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I said as I watched him flail his knobby-kneed legs in uncoordinated frenzy. To say he was running would be like saying demolition derbies or car races. I pondered that maybe he'd never run before. His attempt seemed pretty amateur. I looked at the iron pipe and wire fencing keeping the beast at bay. I feared for his life. And then a thought stilled my worry. We construct fences from the materials of good intentions. I thought of the fences in a new way as I watched a giant sweaty pinball ping around the paddock. Tolkien wrote, The wide world is all about you. You can fence yourselves in, but you cannot forever fence it out. He opened to a dead sprint, or what he considered so. I knew what was coming and cringed. The front paddock was cross-fenced with three wire, not barbed, just wire like electric fencing with no electricity, and T-posts. He barreled towards it, angry. In a last-second plea for sanity, he broke off the charge and circled back around towards the front of the paddock. He had a death wish, and I was helpless to interfere. So I did the only rational thing a rational man would do. I screamed at him. Stop running! Every time I moved toward him, he spun away and reignited. Missy's headlights pulled into the drive, and I was a deer in them, and she wasted no time. This is idiotic, Tim. He came from a slaughter auction. There's no telling what diseases he's carrying. He needs shots, needs to be isolated from the other horses. This made me laugh out loud because the other two horses were as far from him as they could be. I spoke not a peep and handed her what I thought were the correct halter and rope. I stayed silent as Honor answered every question she had. I went inside and hid, knowing full well that I was way more of a hindrance than a help. I don't know what she did with him over the next hour as I sat in silence in the kitchen, but I remember the earthquake rumble shaking the house for over half of it. I peeked out the window in hopes of seeing through the black nothingness of the paddock. I wish I could remember anything else from that night, but I can't say I do. What I do remember, however, is the next morning. It was Friday, 0700. I was going to have to call in late for work. Missy stormed into the bedroom. Her eyes glowed red and smoke billowed from her ears. I need your help. As an aside, had I known, I would have started an honor phrase jar, like a swear jar in which $1 deposited every time a phrase on that list is said. I'd be retired by now. On such a list of common phrases, quote, I need your help, would be the first. And so it was chronologically, too. What happened? The cult ran through the cross fence. His name is Honor. His name is Disaster. 
I said nothing more as I threw on clothes. As I came around the side of the house, Honor plucked grass at the far end of the paddock. After establishing he still lived, I noticed the train wreck of twisted metal wire scattered across the ground. Wire lay strewn everywhere. Missy crouched through the pole fencing and into the paddock, where she resumed picking up and winding up all the loose wire. Honor's curiosity carried him towards us. His front knees and chest were a war zone of shredded skin and uncountable cuts. Crimson droplets painted the front of his legs. He kept his distance and went back to grazing. I helped Missy clean up the shrapnel. You should have talked to me first, she said without looking at me. He was on sale. It was an impulse buy. I don't have any self-restraint. I had no idea. I just bought him. I didn't think I was going to buy anything. Oh, but because his name is Honor, you just had to have him. You're exactly right. You had no idea. You don't know shit about horses, Tim. This is so stupid. Of all the stupid things you've done in the past year, this deserves a medal. I didn't know his name when I bought him. She froze. What? Yeah, he just had a number. She didn't respond and continued to side-eye me for a moment, and then went back to collecting wire, albeit somehow softer. Honor waded through the grass fifty feet away, content and aloof. I felt stupid and answerless, and her words spotlighted my irresponsible mistake. So I said the only thing I could think to say, framed by a crooked smile. I bought you a horse? (laughs) Yep, I bought a horse. I didn't know squat, didn't have the means to get him home, didn't know anything about his history, didn't even know his name. This is the clinical definition of an impulse buy. The real question then becomes, where did that impulse originate? But let's not put the cart before the... whatever. On the episode post at tolivewithhonor.com, linked in the show notes below, I've put up some of the first photos ever taken of Honor, as well as the satellite view of the property so you can get an idea of the lay of the land. If you notice, he's in a halter in all of the photos. That would be because once Missy miraculously got it on, it stayed on as a matter of practicality. Because there's no way to catch him otherwise. That, and he wouldn't let us get close enough to even dream of taking it off. The close-ups shown on the website are literally the closest he would allow me to get. (laughs) Let's face it, I bought a dragon. I guess I kind of always wanted one. I mean, what kid doesn't? But let's be fair, owning a dragon in reality is not nearly as awesome as the curb appeal. Picture every 8-year-old boy jumping up and down shouting, Mommy, look, I bought a dragon! And in the background, a screaming population flees in terror as Smaug ransacks the river city. But more on that to follow. This episode, we're featuring Halcyon Healing Center, established by Andrea St. Hilaire based in Carthage, North Carolina, just outside of Fort Bragg. It fosters a welcoming community for veterans and their families. Using classic horsemanship and nature immersion, participants are able to decompress and reconnect with loved ones. Andrea, a trauma psychology researcher well-versed in the soft community, is perfectly geared to facilitate reintegration into both civilian and redeployed life. She understands in nuance the community's unique reintegration challenges and knows exactly how to unpack and untangle them all. For more information on Halcyon, 
go to www.halcyonhc.org. That's www.halcyonhc.org. It's also linked in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the story thus far, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. But more importantly, please share this podcast with those who would find usefulness in the story. Beyond telling a great story, we need this message to reach those whom it needs to reach. Come back for the next episode, Chapter 3, Your Horse, where it is revealed that it was in fact one nameless horse responsible for all the earthquakes in Oklahoma, and not fracking. I'm Tim Finley. This is To Live With Honor. Live fierce. This all ends.